Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, the things that I deal with now are perhaps beyond being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving Jesus Christ into my life, the most important revelation knowledge that would guide my life to this day. All I ask is that you help me to cover this in this one session, and the time is limited. Thank you, Father, for receptive hearts and minds, the spirit of wisdom in all revelation and understanding of the knowledge of Christ, that every eye is open and illuminated in the knowledge of Christ Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit, that they may know those things which are the things that have been and the things that will be hereafter. We thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Well, it's good to see you here in the morning in the first service and uh, having the Brazilians here with us as you've been introduced. Uh, they bring back memories of the Amazon River, I think the most amazing journey that we've had in our lives, certainly, that we've had. The Amazon is something else. Um, Okay, shall I take just one verse and read it? And uh, let me go to the New King James translation. And let me go to Romans chapter number one. And I'm going to read here verse number three concerning the Son of God. God's Son. Chapter number one and three. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Up to there, and then I close that, and I will close most of this until later. So now I can talk to you. So we've been on a journey and we followed the Apostle Paul. If I could, I would go far deeper into it. His first journey and the cities, every one of those cities, I know them. And, uh, and then, of course, his second journey, same thing. We've studied them. We've been to many of them. And then, of course, as far as his journey to Corinth, where he spent three months writing in advance to a church that did not yet see him, the church in Rome. And of course, behind me is the Colosseum. That is part of the ancient Rome, one of the buildings remaining from ancient Rome. And I said to, to the artists or the graphic people, just keep that one picture is enough for today. Time is of the essence right here and now. I could take you through the 16 chapters of Romans and I could give it to you one chapter after the other. It's no problem to me. But I want to get to something which really impacted my life. In order to get there, I have to do, it's like a, when a plane takes off on that runway, I've got to take you on the runway and lift you up to get to the place where you are finding yourself as a Christian now. So see yourself as the person 
that's all of this is happening to, and it's for you, because it's designed to give you a key of powerful life in Christ Jesus. Now, dear friends, the book of Romans, very briefly by a recapitulation, the book of Romans in the first chapter obviously talks immediately about the Son of God declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. Paul, therefore, says, after talking about Jesus, he expresses his desire to be in Rome that he might share there some spiritual gift with them so that they may be established and him also by just this expression of his love towards the Romans that he didn't see before. By chapter number 1 and 14, Paul, now a mature believer with mature experience of life, is reaching his maximized maturity as a believer. When he gets to uh, chapter number 1, 14 and 15, he says, you know what, to the wise and to the unwise, to the, to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to all the people, I am a debtor. Romans 1, 14 to 15. And then he says, for as much as is in me, and man, did this man get revelation. I am also ready to preach. It's very important how much you have on the inside of you to deal with life out there. But also as a witness for Jesus Christ. So he goes on and he says these words, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Of course, first and all, foremost to the Jew, and then, of course, the Gentiles. The Gentiles, of course, are the second category of mankind. You have the Jews, and then, of course, he's going to address the Jews, and then you have the Gentiles. The Gentiles are everybody that's not saved. Unbelievers, they are still around, surrounding us. We are surrounded by Gentiles, that live in idolatry and worship other things, not God. They surround us on every side. And uh, so then when you come into the question of the Jews and the Gentiles, there are the saved and the unsaved. But then he makes a staggering in the second chapter. He begins to focus in on those who are Gentiles and those who are Jews. And he begins to say as he focuses in, that both Jews and Gentiles are incapable on itself. If they, by, by their works, try to get to heaven, they're not going to get to heaven through good works. They're not going to get to heaven by their performance. Because if there is any form of performance, if I'm working at my salvation to be saved, I then negate the cross. Because for that very purpose, Jesus Christ the Lord came that by faith in him we could be saved. So then uh, he begins to lay out to both the Jews and to the Gentiles that all have saved, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Gentiles, yes. The Jews, yes. Romans chapter number two, he gets into speaking about the Jews. And uh, after, I'm, I might just say, Romans 1, 18, it talks about his wrath. After he introduces Christ, he talks about the wrath of God's being revealed from heaven. Of all ungodliness and those, those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. He talks about that. And then he says, for what is known of God has been made known. It's clearly manifested to them through his creation. And that is so very clear because today we have science in this world. I have no problem with science. 
But what do science do? They study the things God created. That's it. If they study microbiology, it's something in this creation that God put there. If they study marine biology, it's what God put there. If they study the human body, it's what God created. If they study the sand, it's what God put there. The trees, the birds, the beasts of the fields, mankind itself, all of creation testifies that one needs to turn to God and get saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a praise after giving it right now. Then he talks about the wrath of God, verse 18 and forward, that's been revealed from heaven over those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Of course, he talks about the perversion, sexual perversion, and what is then the result of practicing of sexual perversion is what you call a reprobate or a debased mind. In other words, their minds are now becoming just like rotten fruit. The Greek there describes something you can put on, on, the, on, the, the, on a dump somewhere because it's no further use, of, use for anything. And therefore, the judgment of God is upon these wrath of God like in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, it goes on, but that's not where I want to go to. Chapter number 2, he's talking to the Jews. And now we find out that the Jews are not capable of fulfilling 613 laws of Moses. We also find that the Jews are in trouble because if you stumble in one, you stumble in all. So said James, the brother of Jesus. You stumble in one way, you're going to stumble in all of them. You're guilty of all. So therefore, they needed to bring every year's sacrifices to God as we read in the book of Hebrews. But moreover, as it is, they could not fulfill the law of Moses. But Jesus, in Matthew chapter number 5, Mort was quoting from uh, chapter number 5, 16, let your light shine so before men they may see your good works as a believer, your life would give glory to God, not to the devil. So, he goes on yet again. After proving that by the works of the law, there is no boasting in that. You can't brag about it. You can't boast about it that you've now done something that you've earned your salvation. You can't. Then he turns to the Gentiles. And ultimately, he begins to tell us by chapter number 3 and 23, all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is a major statement. Both the Jews and the Gentiles, by the way, in Romans 2, 29, he says, incidentally, you know, not he is a Jew who is one outwardly. In other words, by the circumcision of the flesh. But the circumcision that takes place through faith in Jesus Christ at salvation is that of the heart in the spirit. Colossians 2 and 11, the circumcision not made by hands, but the circumcision of Christ. See? John 3, 3, man needs to be genei anothen, to be born from above through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He is the one in whom we believe. Our whole lives, the entire kingdom of God is centered about one man called the Word of God. He says, all men have sinned. So everybody is lost due to the sin nature. But then he says, but the righteousness of God has now been revealed apart from the works of the law. By what then? 
by the law of faith. The law of faith, that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, His Lordship over you, and believe in your heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. See? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You need to make that confession of Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 over and over and be sure that you've repented of all sin and received Jesus Christ your heart because he fulfilled the law and he suffered and died for your sins but also for your sicknesses. And any other calamity can give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Luke 10, 19 and over all of the power of the enemy. So now he begins to say, now turn to Abraham our father according to the flesh. Turn to Abraham. Take a look at him. And Paul does one of the most, I think, intellectual pieces of work in that Romans chapter number four. I spoke about it last week. Abraham received righteousness before he was circumcised. Genesis 15 and 6 already accounted unto him as righteousness. He only afterwards received, some time after that, received the mark of the circumcision as a sign of the covenant with God. Then, the law only came 430 years after Abraham, so it's not through the works of the law he got saved. He's not through circumcision that he got saved. He got saved because he believed in God. And so, Abraham becomes the father of us all according to the flesh. Now we know, Galatians chapter number 3, that those who are of faith, Galatians 3, from 7 and again at the end, Verse 29, he says, For if you in Christ, you Abraham's seed and joined heirs according to the promise. Abraham believed, so must we. So we go on, and he gives a little bit of an explanation there after chapter number four in chapter number five. He says, There's, you know, there's by one man sin entered into the world, and through sin, death. Death reached everybody. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But the wages of sin is death. By one man, sin entered into the world. And then he begins to compare the first Adam and the last Adam, the Christ, and of course, the first Adam which fell in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of this world history. And I think of the history of the world, I think of the massive ignorance that is around, particularly in the scientific world, when they come with all their theories of evolution, all sorts of stuff. But they know not this, that in this book, that entire, that entire description of how creation got to this point, even the Apostle Peter writes about it. But then they don't read Bibles, do they? And if they do read Bibles, you have to have the Holy Spirit to interpret spiritual things with spiritual for the spiritual man judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no one. So, then he moves to chapter number six, and we know all about chapter number six, that twice the question is asked in the middle of that chapter, and, and at the beginning of the chapter, shall we sin? Shall we continue in sin, or shall we sin? Every time Paul says, God forbid, in the most powerful Greek expression, don't you do that? For know you not that as many as of you were baptized 
with, into Christ, were baptized into his death, that just as Christ was raised f- from by the glory of the Father, even so you should live. How should we live in the glory of the Father? Now then, in the next chapter, we find out that we should live in the newness of life. Now Paul goes on, and I hurry along because we can run through the whole Bible like this, but he goes on in chapter number 7, and uh, he, 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 we now know that through faith we get saved, not by works. We now know all men have sinned, but there is a way out by the work of the cross, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by faith in the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I think you need to give him a praise offering, but give him a thank offering, everybody in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul begins to describe something which is really so akin. Now we've got the whole package. There is faith, there is salvation, and we're now to serve God in the newness of the Spirit because when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit also. But there is a difference between the Spirit within, which is for fruit at salvation, and the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 verse 22, Love, joy, peace, patience, friendliness, kindness, faith, humility, and self-control. Liefde, blijdschap, vrede, geduld, vriendelijkheid, goedhartigheid, getrouwheid, nederigheid, en zelfbeheersing, in case you talk Afrikaans. There's the fruit of the Spirit, but then on the other hand, there's also the works of the flesh. Now that sin nature, Paul says, Galatians 2.20, says, I have been crucified with Christ. The moment, the moment I repented, I gave myself to Jesus, I was baptized into his body. And now I follow through with a baptismal pool by burying that old sin nature right there, incapacitating it. Sin shall not have no dominion over you for you're not under the law, you're under grace. Romans chapter number 12, Christ is the end of the law. Just go read it for yourself. Christ is the end of the law. Actually, Romans chapter number 10. Sorry about that one. I saw two verses in my head. Twelve is another thing there that's talking about service of the saints. Chapter number 10. Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to all of those who believe. My faith takes me in a new dimension. My faith causes him to indwell my body. So therefore I become a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have been crucified with Christ because I'm part of the body of Christ and he was crucified, so am I. Therefore I have no further boasting except Galatians 6.14, except the cross of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He suffered and he died. There's therefore further no need to boast, except the cross of my Lord and my Savior. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. What a song. What a song. Crucified to the world and the world is to me. The problem is my sin nature, which is still resident because I've not received a glorified body, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven for whence, from whence we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to become conformed as unto his 
glorious body, the glorified saints. First Corinthians 15, all about that. First Thessalonians 4.23 and onwards. With completely different powers and abilities that goes into eternity. Death is not a thing now, no more to be feared. In fact, it's only a transition into glory. Mm. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded. So am I, by the way. So I've been saved. Paul says, I die daily. So my faith is brought unto me righteousness, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But then there is also another thing which people don't understand. And they try to understand, but they don't because they, you have to have the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power in the Holy Spirit to the believers who are his disciples when the Spirit of God comes upon you. In Acts chapter 20, in John chapter 20, he just breathed upon them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They went to Jerusalem with joy and they received the Holy Spirit right there because he blew upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. They were the first to get it and then they went to Jerusalem and continued daily in one according in the temple. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Greek word is epi, is to be upon, to rest upon you. That's called the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory. That's what it is. When the Shekinah comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit within is for fruit and the Holy Spirit upon is for the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 8. So where does this take us? It's a complete package. However, there's a calamity. For, for in the book of Romans chapter 7, Paul begins to say, the law is good, the law is just, the law, the law is perfect, it's beautiful. But there's something wrong with me. For he says, you know, that which I do, I don't want to do. And that which I do not want to do, I find myself doing. To do, to do is good, I will to do good, but to do, to do good, I do not find. See? And he begins to talk about this battle with the flesh. Powerful comparison, which is not where I'm going to travail too much or labor too much or stay there. Because you can read it, Romans chapter 7, how he struggles with his lower nature. Because it's always there. It's now dead, it's been buried, but the sin principle remains. I mean, didn't he just say in Romans chapter 6, didn't he just say, likewise, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Reckon is an accounting term. It's like two plus two is four. Reckon yourself. The conclusion is, that plus that gives you that now. That you're dead to sin indeed and alive to God in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you haven't seen that verse, you better find it. It'll be around Romans chapter 6, it'll be around the 11th verse where he says those words, reckon. 
So now, here I am, dead to sin, but within me, that which I want to do, I don't do, and that which I do not want to do, that I find not. And if I then do that which I do not want to do, it's no longer I, but the sin that dwells within my flesh. He finds himself at a place that needs explanation. Because he just said, I have been crucified. He just said, reckon yourself dead to sin. We know also that the Romans 6 says, the, the wages of sin is death. It pays the salary. That does pay a salary. But he comes to a conclusion. And this is the height of it all. He says, oh, Romans 7. You know, through the law, I'm dead to the Lord to be married to another, even Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And, and, and now I am part of the body of Christ, even the bride of Christ. And these two beautiful metaphors describing the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, these two shall be one. The man and his bride, one. And they will be able to multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth. And, but the married woman is bound by the law to her husband, but when her husband dies, she's free to marry another, otherwise she'd be called an adulteress. So therefore, you have also died now to be married, married to another. Yet the sin nature in the rest of the chapter is a problem here. And so Paul cries out and he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? Now we get to the key. Because that's where you are now. See? And now... He says this way, because now there's, there's, there's this, this guilt. I don't find to do good the way I want to do. I can't live this life. But you know, the principle of sin still exists. Therefore, the apostle John writes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That thing is there. It pollutes. It breaks relationship with God. Relationship with God, actually, I should put it correctly. You can understand. Relationship and fellowship. I am a child of God, you are children of God through faith. That's relationship, child of God, children of God by adoption through Christ Jesus, through faith. But fellowship is broken down because if you're going to, if you sin habitually, he says, oh, wretched man, who, what, what can I do? I find in the law that he's at war against the law of my mind. Who shall deliver me from this body of sin? And then he begins with rolling out the red carpet of Romans 8. There is therefore, therefore, conclusion is a therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't feel condemned because you failed somewhere along the road. Because all men have sinned. And you need to know that you have a past. And that past tense is not so good at times. And some of the things Paul says, I write now of those things which you are now ashamed of. All men of sin come short of the glory of God. But if I read it, because I want to, in Romans 8, and specifically from the Amplified Bible, I want to take you to a revelation, and then you'll find out the road forward for your life. Because you're all right there, aren't you? Therefore, there is no condemnation, this guilt thing, no guilty verdict or punishment 
No punishment. Chapter number 8 and verse number 1 from the book of Romans. Romans 8. For those who are in Christ Jesus, by faith you've received Him, you dwell in Christ Jesus, baptized into Christ, who believe in Him as personal Lord and Savior. New Amplified. He says these words, For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, says the Amplified, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Do not feel condemned. The sin nature is there. It will only drop off either at your physical death or if Christ comes when you receive a glorified body, those things in the light in the book of 1 Thessalonians 4 and 23 at the catching away, the departure or the rapture of the church. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Sin, the wages of sin is death, but the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set you free. You're free. Give Jesus a praise offering. Now I want to read this because it's very important. For what the law could not do, verse chapter number 8 and verse 3, Amplified Bible, because it helps me that I don't have to explain all the Greek that goes here. For all that the law could not do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature, that sin nature, without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent His own Son in the likeness of the sinful man as an offering for sin, and He condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it, and overcame it in the person of His own Son, Son, right there on the cross. He died for you and I. He overcame sin. He knew no sin. Had to be made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 4. So that the righteous, in other words, right standing or being just, it's justice, correct just measure according to God. Requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives, watch this, who do not, do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, guided by worldliness like the Gentiles, and the sinful nature like the Gentiles in this age of hypersexuality and the lot. Guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, but we live our lives in the ways of the Holy Spirit and are guided by His power. You need to follow the Holy Spirit. Now we'll find out about that because I'm just about ready to get into and really get into a thing called walking in the Spirit. Most people do not understand how to walk in the Spirit, but watch. I won't have time for it in this session, so we'll have, we have to look at it pro pro properly next session, if that would be enough till the end of the year. For those, verse 5, who are living according to the flesh, 
the sin nature, the impulses of the sin nature, set their minds, set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. The flesh lusts, it wants things. Paul says, don't even go there in your thoughts. But those who are living according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. God's will and God's purpose for your life. You have a choice. Follow the flesh like the Gentiles. Get into idolatry. Because um, Colossians chapter 3 gives you a list of these things and says these things are nothing but idolatry. Afhot's deeds. It was part of the idolatry of that time, which was rampant. Immorality. Rampant. There was no code of moral values. Immorality was taking over. The flesh was rampant in the Roman Empire. They set their minds on the things of the Spirit instead, those who are saved. His will and His purpose. Now, Verse 6, now the mind of the flesh. You understand if I say flesh, I say sin nature and what it wants, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. Amplified says, because it wants to pursue sin. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life, is peace. The spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God. To me, the most important statement in my personal life, just I want to walk with God. There's a song by Mario Lanza, came out just after the Ark of Noah, but it works for me very much so, called I'll Walk With God. It's like the song of my life. The spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. Because if you walk with God, it does not stop when you die. When you die, you just leave behind the old sin nature, the handicap, and you move into glory. Now you face the eternity future, and in the eternity future, in the study of the physics of non-physics, I begin to study what kind of body will we have? What are the characteristics of the resurrected body of Christ? Verse 7, for the mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile to God. Anybody in the flesh, you might need to see how aggressive they get. But they're hostile to God. For what can be known of God is seen through His creation, but they didn't give Him glory. They rather called it signs than followed signs. And signs only studies what God has created. That's what it does. We're trying to find out about quantum mechanics. We want to find out about the atom and the subatomic values. We want to find out about mathematics concerning the universe. The mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot. But those who are in the flesh, verse 8, living a life that caters to sinful appetites. Living a life that caters to 
practicing sin, fulfilling that sinful appetite. You see, the difference between lust and love, godly love versus lust. Lust is meeting my own needs at the expense of others. Love is meeting others' needs at the expense of myself. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Big difference. The love of God. There are four kinds of love in Greek. But this world only think of eros, sexual love, and I think that's love. She wech at the boy in a rajnele hot of eshika. She maie kosava. Verse 9. However, you are not living in the flesh controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. How many of you are saying, I would like to live my life in the spirit? If you understand this, you will not miss what I'm about to say and next week. You will not miss it. People have exchanged church for videos. So many videos per week. Video, video, video of somebody that lived there and somebody that lived there and somebody lived 50 years ago in videos. You look at that video but you don't even feel the glory of God because you can look at a heater on the wall that's like a, like a heater, but there's no fire in it. You look at the fireplace, but you don't feel the fire of the Spirit. The body of Christ is a living body. It says, come to church and be in communion with each other. But some, as somebody prayed Sunday, Dr. Malebu prayed, she said, some just don't come to church even though they are believers. You watching on the internet, I'm talking to you. What are you doing at home? What are you sitting there? Why are you not in church this day? Verse 9 again. However, you are, if you're not living in the flesh controlled by the sinful nature, but in Christ, in the Spirit, in fact, if the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, if you're in Christ, the Spirit of God lives within you and is directing you and guiding you, are going to find out how. How many of you want to know just how? Okay. Today we're going to find out because I have to give it to you because this changed my entire approach to life. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him and is not a child of God. Verse 10, But if Christ lives in you, though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness which He provides. Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give anachupereu, the Greek word here. No, it's not anachupereu. The spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body. That means to give and to preserve life. He will, in this world, give you life and preserve your life if you walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Everybody say, walking in the Spirit. My time is up. But He will also give life to your mortal body 
through His Spirit who lives in you. Now, I, I think I'm going to give you verse 13, and then we're going to go to another place, because tonight there's going to be an extraordinary move of God in this place. Somebody heard it. For if you're living according to the impulses of the flesh, verse 13, you're going to die if you follow your sin nature. And some, many I was thinking in this week, died prematurely because of that. But if you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body you will really love. If you buy the Spirit, Romans 8, 13, if you by the Spirit, put to death the works of the sin nature, you will live. How do I overcome my sin nature? Life in the Spirit. By the Spirit, here comes the anointing, here comes the Shekinah glory, here comes the revelation. Walking in the Spirit. Put to death with the help of the Holy Spirit, and there's a way of doing this. The works of the sin nature you live. And my final verse, with a lot of pressure. Mm. The Romans 8.14, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God, or the sons of God, and 16, the key verse, the key verse, key verse, for the Spirit Himself, say this after me, the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with my spirit. Okay, just stop right there. The Holy Spirit bears. That's a functional value that there is. In that little expression, there's more of that in the Bible. But the witness of the Spirit becomes the rule, the cardinal power. Colossians, okay, now I'm going to leave that for next week because otherwise I'm going to go way over my time. I have to explain whatever I say. But if you buy the Spirit, put to death your sin nature. You love. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I said you need the Holy Spirit. Because there's a cardinal method and a cardinal way in which you stop yourself from getting into stuff of the flesh. I pick up right there next Sunday morning because I have to. Tonight, I am talking about the very root sources, the very fountain of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory in your life as temples of the Spirit of God. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? You're coming to this place, you know what? would say, Just bow your head and nobody look around, nobody, nobody look around. Only begin to pray if you really are in Christ Jesus, hidden in God, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Colossians chapter number three. If you really are in Christ, then my dear friend, then, my dear friend, I want to say to you, God bless you, pray for everybody. If today you've not practiced Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, let me say that again. If you confess with your mouth, your mouth, speak it out, confess the Lord Jesus Christ. As you met your mond, the Yere Jesus Christus, make your mond on and that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You have to confess Him as your Lord and Savior. 
Nobody can do it for you. You are at that point where you're tired of a sinful life. You don't want to be dominated by the sin nature. We're going to get to next week. This church will be full of people wanting to know just exactly what to do. And you will be told. Because I cannot go anywhere without, not a step further without that. But if you have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you haven't done this willfully, knowingly, purposefully, from your heart, said aloud, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and His Lordship over my life and I believe in my heart that God the Father raised His Son Jesus Christ from the dead. I believe it. I speak it. Then you will be saved. So if you want me to pray that prayer, I want to pray for you. If you just, you here today, you haven't done, you didn't do it nog nie, dan is dit imperatief, dis van die Bible, dis in die woord, raise your hand, I'll pray for you right now, if you haven't done that before. Just anybody. Is there anybody? Not in this first service? I think we have got all believers because of the colder weather. But the second silver service will do the harvest. Look at me now. Raise your hands to the Lord, will you? Would you stand up? Actually, it's a better way. Say, according to the Bible, I now confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe in my heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore I am saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Wash me in your blood. I repent of sin. Absolutely. I repent. I change my mind. And I'm converted to save you. To serve you, sorry. And now Lord Jesus, I declare with my mouth that God the Father raised you from the dead. I thank you for writing my name in the book of life of the Lamb of God, saving me, healing me, delivering me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you this day. I am a child of God. I will serve you all the days of my life, even into all eternity. And I'll come back to the house of God. I will study and I will know how to walk with God in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up His countenance over you. Be gracious to you. Grant you eternal salvation and peace. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All God's people said. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.